Hello and welcome to the Messages and Methods Livecast Life 2.0 Livestream Podcast, hosted by Encore Entrepreneurs Shelley Carney and Toby Unis. We inspire excitement for content creation and marketing your brand and business while answering all your technology and digital marketing questions. We love to help you, our content creator friends, with actionable tips to land more clients, nurture leads, and gain trust as an expert in your industry. Chat with Shelley and Toby live every Thursday on YouTube or Facebook. That's right. Chat with us because we're here to chat. And I'm Shelley Carney. And I'm Toby Eunice. Thanks for joining us today. Before Shelley makes introductions, I'm going to take care of a little bit of housekeeping. We'd appreciate it before you leave the show today. If you'd like our show, YouTube likes it when you like our video. Share it with your family, your friends, your neighbors, your business associates, the entirety of your social network so that we can continue to grow the channel. And finally, if you are not already a subscriber, this would be the ideal time for you to click on that subscribe button. When you see the notifications bell, click on that as well. That way, every time we start a live stream, you'll be immediately informed. And as a result, in the know. And also we want to let you know that the super chat light is lit. If you'd like to make a small contribution to our project uh, here at Messages and Methods, just go down to the bottom of the chat window. You'll see a stylized dollar bill looking thing. Click on that and the good folks at YouTube will walk you through the process of making that contribution. If you're watching the video after the live stream, uh, look down at the bottom of the window and you'll see uh, a heart with a dollar sign in it. It's called... The other way around. Dollar heart. Super thanks. Super thanks. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a dollar with a heart in it, not yeah. a heart with a dollar sign? Oh. Yeah, it's a heart with a dollar sign. Oh, okay. Never Just mind. click on it. <laughs> click. click on it no matter what you do. Click. And here's click the good the news. Uh, YouTube allows you to give us give, give us donations of up to $500. Can you imagine that? I would like to imagine yeah, that. Yeah, that would be great. Today we're going to be speaking to content creators about critiquing your content strategy. And we have a special guest. His name is Jason Bernard. He's the author of The Fundamentals of Brand SERPs for Business. He's a digital marketing consultant who specializes in brand SERPs and knowledge panels. Jason is the host of With Jason Bernard, a podcast about entrepreneurship, business, and marketing. So let's welcome Jason. Hello. Applause. <laughs> it's our audience. They're happy to see you, Jason. Yeah, I got a cheer and a clap, and I'm terribly, terribly happy. <laughs> So welcome, Jason. How did you tell us a little bit about yourself? I know you've got a great story to tell, so I'm going to let you tell it. Right. Yeah. Lovely. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a bonkers story, uh, in my opinion, is that I grew up in the countryside in Yorkshire in the north of England as a punk, surrounded by sheep and cows who don't care about the punk <laughs> attitude at all. And moved to Liverpool, went to the same university as John Lennon, but 20 years later. And joined a band called Stanley the Counting Horse, played music. I was a singer um, with his big, deep voice. Uh And I could sing. And people would come and see us just because I was incredibly thin and very small. Uh But I had this big voice. And And you were a punk. And I was a punk. Right. Very good point. And it was this, it, it was, I, I don't know, it was a a strange combination that people would come and see, and we had a lot of fun. Um, 
then I moved to Paris, joined the band. Uh, I wanted to be the singer, and they said, we don't need a singer. You have to play double bass. I didn't play the double bass, but I bought one and learned to play it just to join the band. Nice. And became a double bass player. And turns out I'm actually quite good at the double bass. So I was lucky. They asked me to play the one instrument that I'm actually good at. Um, that was wonderful. Then I moved, uh, played played with the band, sorry, for eight, nine years professionally playing punk folk. So it was folk music played with punk attitude and punk style. We played with people like uh, Bob Dylan. We were on the same uh, what, festival as Bob Dylan, uh, the Pogues, the Mananegra, um, Captain Sensible from The Damned, who was one of my great heroes when I was a <laughs> punk in the countryside. And that was awesome. I mean, that's absolutely the dream job that you really want. I mean, being a very unsuccessful rock star, but making a living doing it is so cool. Uh, We never got famous, um, which is a pity. But um, I think part of the reason people play in rock bands is because they believe, despite all indications to the contrary, they believe they're going to become famous and they never do. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, the number of bands who actually become famous is uh-huh. 0.1%. Right. And we it's were one spotless. of them. <laughs> uh, but it was awesome. And then I gave that up and became a blue dog in a, in a cartoon. Um, I voiced and wrote with my ex-wife a whole TV series. And I was Boo Wah the Blue Dog. And that was nuts as well, because I, I actually ended up becoming... This is really interesting. My wife was a yellow koala. I was the blue dog. And we were best friends in the cartoon. And we were in Mauritius. And we were trying to find people to do the voices for the other characters in the family. And we couldn't find anybody. So I ended up doing five voices. So I was my own father, my own mother. I was my daughter's brother. My wife's father and my wife's grandfather, all at the same time. Oh my goodness! I, I, yeah. I you know, as you started to describe that, I was thinking of lineage as opposed to cartoons. So forgive me because a whole bunch, <laughs> like everything went through my head right there, real quick. So no, yeah, the lineage was was I was my wife's husband mm-hmm. and I was my daughter's father, but in the cartoon, it all got right. turned around. And it was right. it was delightful. It was a lot of fun, and that's where I learned all about Google because we became phenomenally successful. We were the ten thousandth most visited site in the year in two thousand seven, with a hundred million pages and five million visits, because we learned to get to the top of Google for children's entertainment, children's games, children's songs, and children's TV series. And we were were competing with Disney. Wow. That's pretty tough competition there alone. Yeah, and we used to win. That was delightful. It was one of those moments in life where you think, I'm beating Disney. Isn't that cool? (laughs) And so that effort and that experience led to what you're doing now. Yeah, um, when that kind of fell apart for various reasons, I was looking for work. So I pitched for work as an SEO consultant, digital marketer. And it was actually quite tough because what would happen is I would go and 
pitch to clients and they would say, wonderful, great, you're amazing, we really want to work with you. And then they would Google my name, Jason Barnard, and it would say, Jason Barnard is a blue dog. Uh-huh. And a blue then they dog. would say, well, we actually don't want to work with you after all. Because hmm. um, you are, after all, a blue dog. Well, I am. but And, and that was, <laughs> for me, the kind of light bulb moment is I realized that what Google was showing was what I was previously Mm-hmm. And it wasn't showing what I am today. Right. And so I thought, how do I educate Google? How do I explain to Google what I need it to show for me to be convincing to my audience today, which is no longer six-year-old children. It's bosses of huge companies in France, mm-hmm. the US, and the UK uh, who want me to get on board and give them advice. And yeah, as I said, Huge boss, or sorry, boss of huge company uh-huh. doesn't want advice from a cartoon blue dog. Right. So um, uh, before we go on to the business part of our conversation, uh, you mentioned, uh, you used the phrase to describe the instrument you played, a double bass. I have oh, never, I've never heard of that instrument before. How does it differ from an electric, how does it differ from a, an electric, a normal rock band electric bass? Oh, that's an interesting question, because for me, double bass is totally obvious, but I think that's terribly English of me. Uh, in America, I think you call it a bull fiddle. Um, I saw some like it hot, Jack Lemon with Tony Curtis, and Jack Lemon plays the bull fiddle. Is that the and large he... stand-up? Yep. Stand-up you play bass. with the... The guy from the Stray Cats plays it too. Got it. All right. Um and it's it's the most wonderful instrument because with the electric bass, you're playing it like this. And you've yeah, got to be like quite it's a guitar. Subtle. Yeah. And yeah. with the double bass, you can be incredibly aggressive. I mean, um, uh, in terms of the double bass, it's 20% musical talent and 80% physical domination of the instrument. <laughs> and that's lovely because it suits my personality and the way that I work perfectly. Um, I wouldn't say I don't have talent, but I would say that a lot of the way that I play the double bass is dominating it physically. All right. Well, again, I had never I had never heard that uh, term used to describe it, but now I'm glad that I do. I, do, I think that's slightly different. So, uh, but now I'm glad. So I'm glad I asked. Right. Yeah. I mean, you've got bull fiddle, you've got double bass, you've got contrabass, you've got um, stand up bass. Uh, you've got doghouse bass, apparently, as well as another way to say it. Um, there are millions of, not sorry, millions, that's exaggerating, excuse me. There are dozens of ways to say double bass, stand-up bass, bull fiddle, doghouse bass. So what I'm going to do is I found one on, so that people can know what we're talking about. I'm just out of the stream real quick. Is that it? Yeah, I didn't look much like that. I mean, I didn't pay it that much respect. But I yes, couldn't find one of exactly you, it. one with that's you in That's the girl it, who holds it until it, you get yeah. there. If you search Jason Barnard double bass, I'll bet you find an image oh, um, with okay, me well, standing probably either I'm playing in a gig or I'm standing on a river in the south of France. Nice, Barnard. Double. So part of my job is to convince Google to show the images that I want when people search about me or around me. So if you search Jason Barnard double bass, it should show something that's reasonably representative of who I am and what I did with the double bass. So tell me, 
tell me if I'm about to show your image. The there's a notation on the uh, face of the base, and it says "bark." Is that you? <laughs> yes, that's okay. me. All right, this is what Jason looks like, and that looks like the Seine. I don't know what what is that. That's what a river in the south of France, um, oh, okay. and that double base. And um, we can actually keep this up because it's a really interesting double base. Because when the band said to me, "Do you want to play in our band?" and I said, "Yes." They said you have to play the double bass. So I went and bought the first double bass I found, mm -hmm. and it was this one. And it turns out it's a really good double bass. And the reason that Bark is written on it is because the the group was called the Barking Dogs. Oh, I and see. And we and we used to have this, um, you know, the spray paint. I can't remember. It's called a pushwan in French. Is that you would just spray and it would put the name up there. That was what we were using. Um, and that a stencil. Bass, a yeah, stencil. You're, stencil. you're a genius. Thank you so yeah. much. No, I'm not, but I remember that. <laughs> and yeah. that double bass has, I mean, you can't see it here, but it's in, in a very bad state, but it always and still sounds really, really good. And it has been literally blown up by the French police. The terrorist squad found our van with my double bass in the back, and they didn't know exactly that was what it looked like um and they detonated um a small charge on the back doors of our van and my double base was leaned against it and that's what it looked like <laughs> wow. when it was blown up by the french police oh uh, to get into the van why were the french police trying to get into your van because it was a closed van during what they called Vigi Pira, and they thought it might be a, a, a terrorist attempt on a wow. school. Um, wow. And the double bass remains to this day the only double bass I've ever owned. So it's kind of like still being married to your first girlfriend or boyfriend 50 years after you started. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't had that kind of good fortune with the women in my life. <laughs> No, me neither. But with the double bass, I've had immense. Yeah, the, maybe that's the thing to do. Yeah, find something. It's still got the same can. shape, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, dear well, me. Let's not get onto that topic because yeah, it's exactly. going to get very dangerous very quickly. <laughs> so, thank you very much for that. Uh, we love stories. Shelley probably uh, told you already. We love storytelling, uh, but we have to get on to business here. And the first question I have for you, and then I'll turn it back over to Shelley, is: Tell our audience what SERP, what the acronym SERP translates to and then what is it right great question to start with SERP s-e-r-p is search engine results page and i specialize in a brand SERP, which is the search engine results page for a brand name or a person's name or a podcast name and i focus on google 92 percent of the world use google so a brand SERP for me is what Google shows your audience when they search your name or your brand name. And I'm specialized in making sure that it represents you accurately, positively, and convincingly to your audience. You know, when someone says that to me, I always think in terms of magic, like that's magic that they can make that happen. And we're going to talk about that later uh, in the program. But for now, I'm going to turn it over to Shelley. Oh, okay. You asked my question, so I have to figure it out. So, how <laughs> continue? I see that I see you have more to say about this. So, tell us more about brands. Yeah, no, I, 
I like the idea of magic is that I think a lot of people see Google as this massive machine that we don't understand and that getting Google to represent our brand or our name or ourselves in the way that we want is incredibly difficult. And in fact, it isn't. It's actually very, very, very simple uh, in the sense that Google is simply reading what it's finding on the internet and then representing that to its audience or its users who are searching your brand name or your personal name. And all you need to do is be clear and consistent about who you are, what you're doing, who your audience is across every platform. Google will pick it up and then it will represent you in the way that you expect. And if it isn't, then it means that your online message, your digital ecosystem is not clear. Google isn't stupid. Google's smart. If it's misrepresenting you, then there's a reason. And you need to find that reason, correct it, and Google will then represent you the way that you would like to be represented to your audience, as long as that representation is honest. Well, I've always teased, uh, well, not always, but I teased Shelly <laughs> that uh, I'm looking at her brand page right now. And uh, she's done an excellent job of getting... Uh, Google coverage for herself because she's all over the first page of Shelley Carney, which is what you want out of life uh, because it's a, a wonderful place to start. You know, go ahead. Brilliant. No, but that's really interesting because you're actually using Microsoft Bing and Microsoft oh. is actually better than Google. But if you click on that link, see results for, if you click on that really quickly, no, on, sorry, on the, on the right hand side, this right there, tell down, me down, down and left, down and left, down on her photo. Oh, this, this one here, yeah, that thing, yeah. So, click there, yep. There you go, that's absolutely beautiful. And Microsoft is actually better than Google at that. I, you know, that's really interesting because I'm I have Chrome selected, I don't know why it's using Bing. Oh, I don't know either, but. What, what I find really interesting is that we use Google a lot. Google is incredibly smart, but actually Microsoft Bing will tend to give a better representation of a person than um, Google. Yeah. And here, you can see, that's really useful. If I'm interested in Shelly Carney. Carney. Carney, excuse me. Oh, oh, Dick. Oh, how very, very embarrassing. <laughs> Sorry. I, I wish I had my... Oh, I've got my glasses. So... No excuse at all. If you're and no, in Shelley and County, no need to apologize. We're not exactly the easiest names to pronounce. So, um, so I don't that, know. That's a great result. I like that because you can see not only on the left-hand side recommendations of where I might wish to engage with Shelley. On the right-hand side, I can see the facts about her and people that I might also be interested in. And if you did that same search on Google, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be that good. Yeah. That's just my LinkedIn that's keeps returning. So I don't know why it's I'm I'm doing a Google I don't search. Know, it's going to Bing.com. You know, you must have clicked on something when uh, you did the Windows update. <laughs> I mean, if, if you type Google.com into that top address bar, then you'll get Google. Google.com. There you go. Now okay. search for Shelly. Isn't that funny? It is. I think a lot of a lot of there's people. Google. There you go. Oh, now there's, there's nothing on the right, and what's interesting there is what's on the right is fact, 
Uh -oh. So Microsoft has understood the facts and Google hasn't. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I've never noticed that uh, distinction for her. So on the left-hand side, you have what Google and Bing, depending on which uh, platform you're using, is recommending as ways to engage with Shelley. And on the right-hand side is a summary of the facts and other people with the, who you might be interested in who are related to Shelley uh, topic, topically, sorry, excuse me. So I, this is a really nice demonstration of how much better Microsoft is than Google. I, I, you know what? I'm agreeing. I didn't realize that. So I am starting with a Chrome window. It is making some kind of switch over to Bing. And in mm. addition to that, I searched Shelly Carney. Bing added her the company, AGK Media Studio. So these it's are all things. Well, it, it's understood that the, the relationship between the company and the person, whereas Google hasn't. Right. That's because Microsoft owns LinkedIn. So they're calling in anything I put into LinkedIn as fact and showing you that first. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a big part of it. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> um, and when you when you search me on Whereas if you put in in, in Google, you'll probably see more of my YouTube videos because yeah. they own YouTube. Yeah, and your Twitter. They have a partnership with Twitter, so mm -hmm. they show Twitter a great deal and obviously YouTube too. Um and for both of you, you you're, if I may criticize, you're making a huge mistake. In what way? You don't have a personal website that you own that represents you. A personal it's what website. I call the entity home. And so you're saying, Shelley, uh, oh, it's showing my LinkedIn. For you, Toby, it was showing something from Amazon, if I remember rightly. Yeah. And if you want to take control of what Google and Bing show your audience when they Google or Bing your brand name or your personal name, you need to give them a reference from yourself. Because it sounds a bit strange, but they're looking for your version of your own story. And then they'll go and corroborate it around the web, including LinkedIn, including Crunchbase, including IMDB, Music Brand, whatever it might be. Yeah. But they want that version from you, about you. And that's your entity home, and that needs to be a site that you own. And it could be one page, but it's a domain name that you own with one page that explains who you are, what you do, and which audience you serve. Well, well I'm gonna... That is how you get control. Excuse me, sorry. No, 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 no. I, I, I think that's amazing advice, and I love these kind of programs where you're advising us technically, but you're also telling our audience what to do. I want to share something else with you, and... And you can tell us why the way we've approached it is incorrect. All right. So we do have yeah. websites. Right. We I, have I feel like I'm being terribly critical, but no, <laughs> that's what we're looking for. We want honest credit. You know, what is it? Uh, feedback. Honest feedback. Yeah. There's nothing better in business. Than but that. it's a huge mistake that a lot of people make. And if you think about it, domain name is $15 a year. Right. And so I have, is... Sorry, I have a domain, tunis.com. Okay. Okay. And I have Shelly Carney. And she has ShellyCarney.com. But okay. we, when it goes someplace, it goes to a product, an application called solo.to. Right. So the domain name is a link. And it goes to solo.to, which has my information, uh, our books, right. the shows that we produce, et cetera, et cetera. And I wonder uh, is the mistake here? 
not that we have our own domain name, we've acquired our own domain names, but that it's not going to the T Eunice website. This is not, this is the solo.to, solo.to slash T Eunice mm-hmm. uh, yeah. website. 100%. Um, um, basically, the solo.to is something you don't own. Right. right. You own the domain, but you don't own the content on this page. That's mm-hmm. correct. Yeah. And it both isn't... Google and Bing are looking for content on a domain you own with content that you control and it knows you control. And right. here, potentially, this could be absolute rubbish. And it for could all... be not from you. Right. Mm. This could be a cheat. Mm-hmm. So you would need to have actually not only the domain name, which you have, which is great, but you would then just need to simply have this content display when somebody is visiting that exact domain name. Right. And the reason, uh, as you saw on the top of my uh, search that they I start with Amazon is that's our Amazon author page. That's where, our, you know, because we sell our books on Amazon. So. Right, which is great. It, it means that Google and Bing have understood you, but you don't own that page on Amazon. Right. That's correct. Whereas I own this page, the one we can see now. I own that 100%. All the content is mine. I can change whatever I want, whenever I want. And Google looks to this for information about me from me. So obviously I can say whatever I want, but... Google will always look around the web and verify and check that what I'm saying is true. So it's looking for a version of my story from me. And right now for both you, Toby, and you, Shelley, is it doesn't understand or it isn't confident that that version of the story is actually from you. And that's purely the domain name not corresponding to the the, the one that you've actually registered. Yeah, this is a very personal website from table of contents to what you currently do towards to the things that you have potential for author, speaker, podcast host, guest, etc, mm-hmm. etc. Et uh, uh, I mean, this is really different when it comes I mean, in terms of structure, it's it's actually a very straightforward structure. But yeah. it's all about you. Well, it, yeah, and the domain name is jasonbarnard.com, so it's right. logical that it's all about me. And it's, in fact, if you look at it, it's my life story upside right. down. Yeah. It starts with what I do now, and it moves down towards what I did at the start, which is being at the same university as John Lennon. So it's my life story backwards. Mm-hmm. And Google looks to this and says, well, what does Jason say? What's important for Jason? And now I'm going to look around the web and see if what's important for Jason and what Jason says about himself is actually corroborated and supported by the people. They see Rand Fishkin, L.A. de Solis, famous people within my industry. Do they agree? Do they support this point of view? Yes or no? And so my job is to say, this is my story. You can see here. And look at all these people who confirm what I'm saying. Uh At that point, you get knowledge, you get understanding, and you get Google to display your brand message as a person or as a company in the way that you want when somebody Googles your name or your brand name. Very nicely done. Okay. It's super simple. I mean, it's stunningly simple um, in the sense that, you know, kind of I come from a world of SEO and people think, oh, that's really geeky. It's complicated, lots of code. 
what I'm saying is just tell your story and make sure that that story is consistent across the web. But that isn't complicated. And if you're a company, it's have a brand message, do your marketing, make sure your marketing appeals to your audience. And that's purely good business, good marketing, and good branding. SEO is third in the list of the important things that you need to do. Mm -hmm. You need to market, you need to brand, and then you need to package it for Google. And SEO, search engine optimization, is simply packaging that content that you've created for your audience for Google. So the assumption as I look through this and, and listen to uh, what you're saying, the assumption I would have to make is that in the case of Jason Barnard, you are your company. You don't have a second business website. Is that correct? No, I do, actually. It's, it's called CaliCube, CaliCube.com. And we, we had a really interesting experience recently where we hit what I call the tipping point. If you search for CaliCube without the .com, just CaliCube, you will see a representation of the company and its products and the offers and myself that makes sense to our audience. And we now have more or less control oh. over what Google shows our audience when they search CaliCube, when they search CaliCube Tuesdays, which is our event. There you go. Um, when they search CaliCube Pro, which is our SaaS platform, uh, our Twitter account is there. Our YouTube account is there. Our courses are there. So if you search CaliCube, it's because you're interested in our products, our right. services. So this is what happens when I go to CaliCube.com. Yeah. Right. Very business-looking website. If I searched, this is what happens when I search CaliCube by itself. And mm -hmm. it's all you and CaliCube, uh, again, including all that information on yeah. the left-hand side in Google that was missing on both Shelley's and my... That's the right-hand side. Pardon me? That was the right-hand side. I'm sorry, right-hand side information. <laughs> yeah, right, right and left. I mean, if we look again at the left-hand side is suggestions and the right-hand side is fact. Right. And what we need to do as brands and as people is manage both the left-hand side and the right-hand side. Make sure the facts on the right-hand side are correct, accurate, and represent who we are, what we do, and who our audience is. And on the left-hand side, it gives our audience the opportunity to choose how they interact with us. And if you look at this, it's saying you can interact with CaliCube through the SaaS platform. Jason Barnard is there. We're a digital marketing agency. We specialize in brand SERP optimization. You can come and see us on Twitter. You can come and see us on LinkedIn. You can visit our YouTube channel. But we dominate. And Google is simply allowing the user, you, my audience, to decide how you want to interact with me. So um, you're currently living in Obey, Obey, France? Yeah. And that's the other, the other delightful thing about the Google brand SERP is when, it's, when Google gets it right, you immediately know where I live. You immediately know where my company is based, oh, yeah. you know, what products we offer. You can interact with me on Twitter. You choose a social media platform. And if you search for my name, Jason Barnard, you would see who my wife is. You would see who my mother is. You would see how old I am, unfortunately. You would see my favorite photos. So Google is basically saying, here is a representation of this person or this company. 
that makes sense to its audience in the way I've understood that its audience is interested in them. So uh, off topic, does the Tour de France pass anywhere near Obe? <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, does it? Frequently. Um, but right every... now I'm in Oxford, so I'm uh -huh. kind of cheating. So the yeah. Tour de France is not only in the summer, so already gone, but I'm not anywhere near there right now. So um, every time I watch, I watch the uh, Tour de France every year. And every time I watch oh, it, really? I say, um, I would love to live in one of those towns that they pass through. And uh, and uh, one of these times, I'm going to literally just do that. You you really should. Have you seen them go up Mont Ventoux? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I've, I've ridden a bike up Mont Ventoux. You have? Yeah, 30 wow. years ago when I, when I was young. And, oh, I was going to say, yeah. No, exactly. That's Thank a, you very much. That's I'm totally impressed. <laughs> I am impressed with that. But yeah. I was a big, a big bike fan. I loved riding my bike. I was a huge fan like you. And I thought if there's one thing I have to do in my life, it's ride up Mont Ventoux. And it's super difficult. And I did it one day once. Mm-hmm. And these people are doing it after 60 days of riding or whatever it is. Yeah, and riding it's, a, a bike. it's 21 days, but they always, but right. when, when Von is included, it's always about halfway through. They've already ridden 2,200 miles by the time they get there, you know? So yeah, it's just I'll amazing. Tell you, I'll and tell it looks you. hard for them. It looks for, hard for them with, you know, 18 about, about pound carbon fiber bikes and, you know, nine, nine yeah. chain wheel, you know. It's amazing. But I'll tell you one thing. As you're riding up, if you just keep thinking, how much fun is it going to be when I go down the other side? <laughs> then you're fine. And it is absolutely delightful. When you go down the other side and you just got your hands up in the air and you don't have to make any effort. Oh, that's way more courage than I, I have to <laughs> not to ride that downhill. Downhills yeah, are always amazing to me. because it takes six hours to ride up, and it takes yeah, five minutes to ride, to ride down. back down. It's yeah, such exactly. a waste of time. All right. And you just think all of that effort. <laughs> so I'm going to – I'll let Shelley get us back on track here. Oh, all right. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no need <laughs> to apologize. We can talk about bicycles all day long. Yeah, I can I too. There's three of them in, in my the... garage right now. Oh, right. I love bikes. When yeah. I was a kid, I, I, I used to – once a month, I used to take my entire bike apart. I had this really nice race set. It was a rally. And I would take it all apart right down to the pedals and the mm -hmm. the, the, the ball bearings. And ball the bearings. Regrease mm -hmm. it all and put it all back together again. And that was a once a month special treat that I really enjoyed. Well, I have been riding bikes all my life. I, my current, uh, the my favorite bike is one that I have owned since 1990. It's a specialized a uh, uh, hard rock rock hopper that I made into a, a kind of more of a, not a dirt bike, but a street bike. And I've had it oh, for right. over 30 years now. And I refuse to Ooh. give it up. Sounds like my double base. I bought my double base <laughs> in 1989. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure you're the same. Every now and then I kind of think, oh, maybe there's going to be a better double base or a better bike. And then you keep coming back and saying, well, actually, this is the one I love. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I have a short story to tell you. I actually, one time, uh, thinking about buying a new one, I gave it to my son, my oldest oh. son, thinking that he would appreciate its value. And one day we were all, my son, my oldest son and my oldest daughter who live near where I live, were planning a trip to the flea market 
and my beautiful specialized bike was on top of the his yeah. pile of and I said, what are you doing with that? And he said, oh, I'm taking oh. it to the flea market. I, I ride my own bike, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I bought it back from him. <laughs> I had to pay him for the damn bike. So. Oh, no. And I've never let it. It was a good lesson because I have never let it go Let it go again since. So. That That's a, I'm, I've got a similar story, but it wasn't my son. It was an Italian double bass player. <laughs> and he had a double bass. And I listened uh-huh. to him play and I thought, that sounds so good. Mm-hmm. And I, I talked to him. I said, "Can I, can I buy your double bass from you? Because I want to replace mine." And he said, "Why do you want to replace yours? Yours is a brilliant double bass, and mine doesn't sound very good at all." And I said, "Yeah, but yours sounds loads better to me than mine does to me." Isn't and he said, funny? "Right, go and stand on the other side of the street. I will play your double bass, and you will see that when you're standing next to it, it doesn't sound anything like it sounds when you're standing when up. you're on the other side of the street." And he was right, and it sounded brilliant, and his sound was, wasn't as good as my double bass. Mm. And I'm thankful to him for stopping me, as it were, divorcing my wife for a, a <laughs> right, new... Right, exactly. ...younger for model. A new younger model, yeah. And yeah. me and my double bass, we're now cemented together until the end of time. I mean, and that's the other... Oh, that's a question I haven't asked myself. What happens to my double bass when I die? Mm-hmm. and I'm going to start thinking about it tomorrow you, you know what I've decided and what my will says everything <laughs> no. everything that I own will be auctioned off and dis- and the proceeds distributed to the uh, children and that way they don't have to make the decision about selling my bike to somebody else anyway so I'll, oh, I'll have made that decision right okay yeah flightable base I, I kind of I mean if, if you look at it with the bark written on it and the mm-hmm. And the fact that it was ex- exploded by the French police and it's mm-hmm. got all these stories for me, I actually really care what happens to it. But then at the same time, once I've passed away... It's not going to make any difference, right? Yeah, I won't know. So did you repair the back of that of, of Bark? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I took it to the... the uh, Luthier? Luthier. Uh-huh. Yeah, Luthier. L- Luthier in, is the way I would say it in French. And he, he just said... What on earth has happened here? And I said, it, yeah, it must be a total, total disaster. This must be um, irreparable. Mm-hmm. And he just took it for a few days and sent it, gave it back to me. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, you could see the, the, the brakes, but he glued it all back together again. And it's wow. still going fine. So I remember uh, about stringed instruments that there's always this European competition between the French, the Italians and the Germans about who produces the best strings, who produce, which of them produces the best double bass? Right. Well, this is actually a Hungarian double oh, bass. Wow. But because it's been so abused, destroyed and blown up by the French police, I think the French luthier who repaired it is actually probably the biggest com- contributor to its quality, its quality. rather than yeah. the Hungarian who built it in the first oh. place. All right. <laughs> I've never thought about that before in my entire life. And he's the most lovely guy in the entire world sounds like a good choice to do the repairs i'm sorry back to you let's get back on track here my dear <laughs> are you sure yes absolutely. Oh, this is like not not at all anything to do with bikes or yeah yeah go ahead bases, so I don't that's know. why we brought him here uh-huh yeah well maybe we should get, get back on topic yeah all that's right. what that's what i'm asking her to do i have a question here what what do you mean google is your new business card 
Oh, right. Great question. I, I mean, especially in co the COVID period, is what you would do would be talking like this on a on a on a call, and I would be googling your name to figure out who you are. Mm -hmm. At which point, my opinion of you as we're talking is going to change depending on the result that I see. So, in a world previous to COVID, we would give the business card, but people would put the business card in a drawer and they would still mm -hmm. Google your name. And today with post-COVID video meetings are incredibly the thing that we all do. People are Googling your name as they're talking to you and what they see has a massive effect on how they perceive you. So your Google business card is what appears when somebody Googles your brand name or your personal name and what it shows will have an immense influence of the other person's perception of you either in real time on a Zoom meeting or post-meeting when they, and they always do when they Google your, your name or your brand name. So what is it about Google as opposed to being, I think you said uh, a little bit ago that 90%, 80 or 90% yeah. of the people use Google. Uh, what, what and, and I'm going to go back to the magical question, what magical, what magic does Google own that enables it to dominate uh, this particular segment, the search segment? Yeah, no, that's a really interesting question. I mean, I think what, what you've made me realize in the last 30 minutes is that if you search a brand name or a personal name, you will get a better result from Bing than you will from Google. Mm -hmm. But if you search for where can I buy red shoes, What's the answer to 55 times 1,000 or mm -hmm. whatever it might be? Mm -hmm. Google's going to give me the better answer. So we default to Google because it gives us answers to other questions. We default to Google when we're searching for a brand. But in fact, if we were searching for a brand, Bing will give us the better result. And a lot of this as well is to do with um, the, the historical way that, it has, that this developed is that Microsoft had such dominance in the mid-noughties. There were cases in the US, cases in the, EU, in the EU, um, which brought them back. They had Internet Explorer, which dominated because it was uh -huh. part of Microsoft Windows. They were told that they couldn't default to that. Therefore, people would then need to choose. And Google have managed to take over in that sense, in the, in the sense that by default, we now get Google, whereas 15, 20 years ago, by default, we would have got Microsoft. I'm really curious to find out. Of course, we can't do it now, but I'm really curious to find out that when I used Chrome to search for Shelley's name, it came back with the Bing results. And when I used my name yeah. or your name and used Chrome, it comes back with Google results. I'm really interested why Kelly, uh, Kelly, Shelley, in this case, uh, was able to come back with a, uh, something from Bing. Uh, I also wanted to well, ask... Is, Toby, you've just made me incredibly happy. I'm not the only person who's getting other people's names wrong. You know what? I, I am I'm embarrassed to say that I do that, call her something different, at least once every program, and we've been partners for 10 years. Oh, Literally. right. Okay. Or, or it was even worse when we first met. I, when I'd write her name, 
And uh, she used to have to remind me that I'm never using enough ease in any part of her name. So, but I've got it after 10 years. But I am curious, is mid noughties in common use on the continent? Oh, I don't know. Um, oh. I, I use it and it seems a bit strange, but I thought it was a really popular young person's way of saying. I have never heard it, but I'm going to use it every chance I get from now on. Oh, right. Well, because we had the mid-90s when I was in the yeah, punk yeah. folk group. Then lit, yeah, you, you can't have anything other than the mid-noughties, and now you've got the mid-tens, and now the mid-twenties. Yeah, right. So there was this uncomfortable 20 years where it didn't really make sense, and now right. we're into the mid-twenties. That makes sense. Right. Yeah, the mid... And, I had never heard it used before. I always say the mid thousands or the mid two thousands, something like that. Right. But the, the using the word not for zero is very British. And so it works for me. I'm going right. to, I am going to use all these in the next opportunity I get, whether it's <laughs> mid noughties or. And the mid noughties sounds a little bit dangerous. No, 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 it does. That's why I like risky. it. I think I like it about it. Yeah. There's a bit of risky, risqueness to it now you're just making up new words yeah let's go ahead go back get me back on track all here. right so um what would you recommend for people on a budget uh who want to start a website where would wh what would be the best place for them to get the best seo values right i think one huge question if you don't have a website you have to make sure that you're within your comfort zone for managing it over time and I think there is a tendency for people to say, well, I'll go and see a digital marketing agency. They'll build me a website and they create an incredibly complicated website that nobody can manage and you lose control. Control is the single most important thing. Um, so you would want to either use something like WordPress, which is terribly, terribly common and everybody knows how to use it, or something like Duda, which I really love because it really is plug and play. Or Wix is another alternative. And the disadvantages that these platforms bring in terms of how you appear to search engines like Google is vastly outweighed by the fact that you can actually manage it yourself. So simplicity, make sure you manage it yourself or you can manage it yourself. Um, and don't get tricked by pricing. It isn't because it costs you $100 a month that it's necessarily better than $10 a month. You, you've got to be pragmatic and careful. Make sure that, I mean, the really simple rules are, I need to control it. I need to make sure that it works on a desktop computer, on a mobile phone. I need to make sure that it represents me in terms of visuals and in terms of text, and that I can update it as and when I need to, and I mm -hmm. don't need to call a techie geek developer to do so because there is no reason for you to call somebody who is highly qualified for techie geeky stuff to update an image or a piece of text on your own website. Spill. Oh, and you need to own it. And you need right. to make sure you have control of the domain name. You were talking Toby earlier on. You control your domain name, but not the mm -hmm. website itself. Right, that's correct. So you if I were to put that. something on Wix, I'm still kind of pointing to it. Um, do I actually own the website that I build on Wigs or Duda? Yes, because you can export it and then re-import it into a different platform. 
Well, and so that brings up a next, the next question. Let's say I exp let build something on Wix, because I've always been curious about this. I'm glad we have the opportunity to ask right. you. I built yeah. something on Wix. I export it. Where does it go from there? Don't I have to have some sort of my own server to be able to do that? Yes, you do in theory, um, but you don't need that. That's the idea of thinking too big. Okay. If you think about a server, uh, when we had Blue Wild Koala, which mm -hmm. was the Blue Dog in the Outer Koala, we had mm -hmm. 100 million page views a month and 5 million visits, and we had mm -hmm. one server. If you've got 20, 50, 100, even 1,000 visits a month, you don't need a whole server. You need a little bit of somebody else's server. And the fact that you're using somebody else's server computer, let's call it a computer, uh -huh. doesn't mean that they control the domain. So, for example, on I have a, a CaliCube has a server that I manage, and it's part of the Google Cloud. So I'm actually sharing the server with Google, with all of the massive infrastructure that Google has. It's a tiny portion of a small piece of one of their physical machines. And I run... 15 websites mm -hmm. and they all run fine and, that, and, I do and whatever that, i want and and for example godaddy which is one of the mm -hmm. um ip services that we use where we buy our domain names and things like that they offer uh a cloud server you, that's what you're talking yeah. about is that right okay exactly so what you can do is buy your donor domain for somebody like godaddy or uh another another big player like that and you don't need to worry about the fact that you're sharing with other people because everybody shares with other people all the time mm -hmm. so that's not a big deal and another thing that a lot of people don't know about godaddy is that the websites that they offer in certain areas of the world are actually built on duda spell duda so, for, for our audience d-u-d-a okay it's a phenomenally good platform and it's one of those things is people think, oh, I should build a WordPress site because it's the most popular, which is great. But then you have to learn WordPress. You have to figure it all out. And it's, it, it, it's a lot of work. And you probably do need somebody who knows what they're talking about. So you would need to pay somebody to help. When mm -hmm. you use something like GoDaddy or Duda, you don't need to know anything. You can add an image. You can change a text. And, and from my perspective, we come right back to where I'm coming from is – I'm a person or a company. I need to manage my own entity home where Google sees me online. Mm -hmm. And the most important thing isn't having the most beautiful website or even uh, the most technically um, proficient website. It's that I control the information that I'm providing to my audience, be it people or the machines, Bing and Google. So control is, I would argue, the single most important thing. And all the rest of it is kind of secondary. And one thing I see a lot with company bosses and even people as well is I want pixel perfect design. Mm -hmm. And you're saying you're, the actual, you're literally the only person who cares. Take a step back, accept a few compromises, but retain control. Full stop. So when you use uh, Duda to build your website, 
do they also provide you uh, the independent server platform or the cloud server platform? Yeah. Or do you do the same thing? You export it, et cetera. No, no, with, with something like Dude or even GoDaddy or Wix, for example, mm -hmm. you would build your website and it would be on their server, on their computer, and they would then deliver it to the people you need. So it's a one-stop shop. GoDaddy, does that, Duda, does that yeah. give me the kind of uh, independence, for lack of a better yes. way to describe it, that you're describing? Yes, exactly. And the only reason you would ever export that site and try to take it somewhere else is if you change platform, you decided that you didn't like the platform. Right. But as long as you don't need to change platform, you never have the That's need fine. to export it. But they all offer export uh, possibilities. The, the exception would be Wix is probably the most difficult. Once you're in there, they really try to lock you in. We had that so experience. I would, yeah. Yeah. So I would tend to look towards... GoDaddy or Duda uh, rather than Wix, not because Wix isn't good, but because there is a tendency for them to make it very difficult for you to leave. And, and that's also something you should keep an eye on is how difficult will it be for me to leave if, if I, I choose have to. to. Right. All right. Well, before we start wrapping up, I would like to go to your uh, both of your websites and hey. ask you to tell us uh, which one, if people want to know uh, more from you if they want to reach out to you, which is the better of the two websites to do that, or do they both accomplish the same thing? I think you made a really good point earlier on is that no, they don't accomplish the same thing. If you look at this page, which is my personal website, mm -hmm. it is very personal. You've got the, if you, sorry, if you say at the top, the images are actually there to, to demonstrate or to tell my story. You've got the, the wolf with the double bass, which is my music mm -hmm. career. Uh, you've got the CaliCube logo just below it. Uh, which is a falcon. You've got Google as a child. You've got Google and Bing. You've got the blue dog in the yellow koala. Mm -hmm. You've got the red shirt, which is the brand serp guy, which is the shirt I'm wearing. And the the cow and the sheep, who was supposed to be punk cow and punk sheep from my youth. So that tells my personal story. And if you switch to CaliCube, you'll see that we're the brand serp optimization and knowledge panel management specialists. And if you scroll down a little bit, we've got nine blocks which show that we have the brand cert book mm -hmm. we have the academy we have a SaaS platform we have a faq section which is completely free to learn all about seo and brand serps and knowledge panels we have knowledge nuggets which is information that people have shared with me uh, on my show we've got calicube tuesdays we've got the with jason barnard podcast so basically here it's the professional aspect of brand serps and knowledge panels what do you need to know? What do you need to do? How can you leverage the power of your brand on Google and on Bing? And on my personal website, it's, do you want to talk about double bases, bicycles, mm -hmm. and Mont Ventoux? Uh, and Mont Ventoux. Um, so our, our ideal client is what we refer to as the encore entre entrepreneur, the individual who is mm. looking to start a second life with a new business after retirement. Uh, who, who is your ideal client? Who's the one that are going to be, who's the business person or company that's going to benefit the most from your services? That's a great question. Um, the people and companies who benefit the most from what we do are people who have a public persona that they need to present where people will um, Google for being their name and make sure that their audience sees exactly what they want the audience to see. Or companies where 
if if you think about it from a, a global perspective, I spend a lot of time talking to people like yourselves, um, talking to people on social media, talking to people face to face, with the aim of getting them interested in what I'm talking about. And at the end of the day, once they think Jason Barnard is saying something interesting, something I'm interested in learning more about, what they do, they Google my name, Jason Barnard, or my company name, Kelly Cube, to learn more about it. And it's fundamentally important after all the effort I've made to convince them to actually be interested in what I'm talking about, that what they see when they search my name or my company name is exactly what I want them to see and that they can learn and move forwards in their relationship with me from that moment onwards. So before we leave, um, I wanted to ask you if you wouldn't mind uh, singing one of the songs from your TV series. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, it's really difficult to choose. Uh, this is a surprise. I'll sing. Hooray, another sunny day. Hooray, a sunny day to play. Hooray, another sunny day for you and me and me and you. Hooray. <laughs> we could use that. We're having a gray snowy day outside, so a little music helps. <laughs> Brilliant. Shelley, anything else? No, I can't think of anything else. Uh, we have asked all the questions that were on this paper mm -hmm. so good we've come to the end of our show uh, we have a, a lot very, of great very advice pleasant, here i'm sorry there was a delightful 57 minutes and it's gone by in an absolute flash thank you so much we, yeah. we're, we're glad that it went that way for you too we always feel like we don't ever have enough time but uh what i'm going to ask you to do i'm going to let shelly do some closings but then i'm going to take you off the screen we've got to do our outros and i'm not going to bore you through that but i'd appreciate it if you'd stay on so we can talk a little bit afterwards all right shelly right well i can actually sing a goodbye okay all right do, that. do that a quick goodbye to and the show thank you toby and shelly <laughs> it was so lovely <laughs> that's good <laughs> you like that. i'm gonna you. have to i'm gonna have to take up that whole singing our outro <laughs> <laughs> see you later thank you for your time we do appreciate thank it you. All right. Well, that was Jason Barnard with Calicube, and we appreciate all that great information he's provided for us today. We're going to take action on it, and we suggest you do the same. And uh, that's all we have for today. We'll be back again next week with another presentation from Toby and Shelley. And we get the going on there oh you know what i accidentally <laughs> moved the table there we go <laughs> framing okay um that's all i have and we're gonna have a a fun weekend getting ready for halloween well if you're not already aware of what just happened you had almost an hour's worth of some really good storytelling and in and in addition some really good information that should be useful to you i certainly found it beneficial for us and i'm going to go investigate some of the things that uh jason uh recommended to us so uh i felt like it was a very informative show and i hope you enjoy it as much as we did all right in the meantime we will see you next week at four o'clock shelly uh with shelly carney live stream coach on wednesday at seven o'clock we'll see you again with uh, New Mexico day trips. And I, we haven't made a final decision about what we'll be doing there. But if you haven't seen this week's, this last week's show, please go to New Mexico day trips. Take a look at that. I think you'll enjoy the program because we did some cooking on our travels uh, this time. Not big stuff, but it was kind of fun. Uh, and it was in the wind, uh, which was uh, just amazing to do. And then, of course, Shelly is on Thursdays with Jan Jen. 
And uh, that's Thursday at 11 a.m. Now, next week, they're doing a premiere because Jen will be traveling. That's right. But you've already recorded the shows that's for right. next it's week. It's going to be awesome. It's and about then, email. Uh, it's about email? Yeah. Oh, good. And uh, then, of course, we'll see you next Thursday at 1 o'clock. And all of these times are Mountain Daylight Time. Uh, when do we change? Is it this soon? Weekend? Yeah, it's pretty soon. Um, so just look for us on all our channels. Shelly Car Shelly Carney Livestream Coach. Uh, New Mexico Day Trips, uh, Women Conquer Business, and uh, Messages and Methods. So uh, they're all very informative programs. So we appreciate if you take the time to search those out and look for them. Other than that, I guess we can say our goodbyes. That's right. All right. Here we go with the outro, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining Messages and Methods Livecast Live 2.0, hosted by Shelley Carney and Toby Eunice. Please subscribe and leave a comment or question, and we'll consider your ideas for future shows. Share this podcast with your family and friends so they can learn about current digital marketing practices, too. Check the show notes for links and resources, and please come back again next week.